Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact podcast, episode six. Should I start a nonprofit or a social enterprise? It's actually a pretty big question that you probably haven't thought of yet, but should if you're in the business of doing good for others, aka the impact biz. Today, I'm going to walk you through the main differences of a nonprofit or a social enterprise and the different types of social enterprises out there and which one you should actually start depending on which one aligns with better with your goals. But let's start with the similarities, right? Both of these things exist and both are business opportunities because they're there to solve a problem and to do good. I mean, all businesses start to solve a problem. I mean, I talk about Sarah Blakely and Spanx obsessively, but the problem that she was solving was wanting to wear white pants to a party and not have anything show underneath and make this like smoothing undergarment fabric that wouldn't show any lines. That was a problem and she solved it. And now we have the billion dollar company called Spanx. Um, Either one of these things for a nonprofit or a social enterprise, you're usually solving more of a like a justice problem, a community problem, um, an injustice problem, whatever it is. And both of these opportunities can give you a way to change someone else's life, change an animal's life, change the environment, whatever floats your boat. But both are dramatically different in how they are filed with the government and what they also mean for you personally while you're achieving your goal of changing the world in the way that you see fit, right? So now let's talk about the differences between these two things. So let's start with nonprofits. So let's start with nonprofits, which most people assume means you're not making a profit, And if you've listened to one of the first episodes of this podcast, you know how dramatically untrue that is. The difference is that you need to make money, make revenue, have money coming in at all different times. You're just getting it in a way that a traditional business isn't because you're not selling a product or a service the way a traditional business is. And also all of that money goes back out to your cause. It goes to your mission. It goes to the function of what you're trying to do. One of my favorite moments from taking like Business 101 at UW Oshkosh was having my professor explain the different types of businesses, like a sole proprietorship, a partnership, LLC, whatever, and how each of those looked at money. And he ended it by saying, and then there's nonprofit people, and they are the most ruthless people I've ever met because more money isn't money in your pocket. More money means more hospital beds for the children, and you're not going to mess with a nonprofit person trying to get more hospital beds for the children. And I, like, embarrassingly was the only person laughing in a 300-person lecture pit. So it was kind of embarrassing, but it was funny to me. Still is funny today. 
Because we are, because the more money that you're bringing in means that you get to have a bigger mission. You get a bigger spread in the world. You get to, you know, for us, that's put out more care packages, more cheer packages, more COVID relief kits. You know, we get to do more things for more people for someone like Habitat for Humanity. That's more houses they get to build, you know, or humane societies. That's, you know, more puppies that you're taking in more opportunities to match them up with families, like whatever it is, you need money coming in. And the more money money you have coming in just means that you get to have a bigger spread with your cause. However, it means that any excess money, so let's say that your goal for the year, like you needed to fundraise $100,000 to cover all your things, right? So cover your little bit of overhead costs and then to hit your goals for the year, you needed to raise $100,000, put that out. Any extra money that you raise, let's say you actually raised $120,000, well, that extra $20,000 cannot go into your pocket just because it was over the goal that you hit and it was more money than, you know, services that you provided to other people. So, or like for us, maybe we only allotted $100,000 so that we sent out 500 care packages that year, right? Just, I'm spitballing numbers here, just go with me. Well, just because we raised... $120,000 doesn't mean that I get an extra $20,000 to go home with. It means that that's $20,000 more to make a couple hundred more care packages. It, we just get to do more things with that money. No one gets to take that home. So the more money you're bringing in is more for your mission. Uh, one of the, my favorite quotes from Jennifer Schmidt's episode in episode two was, no money, no mission, no mission, no money which I thought was fantastic. It, that's where all of your money is going. So you are a business, you are raising revenue, you are raising profits, anything above and beyond just doesn't get to go into shareholders' pockets the way it does in a real business or a traditional business. I'm not saying not real because as we know, nonprofits are very real hard work, okay? So now within that, let's talk about you, your salary. For example, at Operation Alone, no one takes a current compensation for what we do. No one gets paid for the work that we do with Operation Alone, meaning that we don't take any of the donations that people give to us and have a percentage that's flagged for salaries. Here's the thing, totally legal to do, okay, in like a general sense of nonprofits, because obviously people have full-time jobs with nonprofits you have to actually pay people. It's totally legal to pay people. Here's the difference. You have to submit basically a file with the government that says, hey, like I'm going to pay X, Y, and Z people, or more so I would say X, Y, and Z positions, this amount of money, you know, for this fiscal year. Next year, you know, they get a 10% raise, they get a 2% raise, whatever it is. But so you're flagging that like your CEO will make X amount of dollars. And that's it. That's flat. Let's say it's a $50,000 salary. That CEO cannot take $70,000 just because you had a great year. You filed this paperwork. You said that you were taking a $50,000 salary. You cannot have anything above that. And then your salary, all salaries for nonprofits are also disclosed on your tax returns, which are public knowledge. So you can go right now and Google any nonprofit of your interest, look for their tax returns and go see the portion of it that's meant for salaries. And it'll usually also break it down, you know, per position on that. 
So you always know what's going on with nonprofit money because people want to know the transparency of where their donor dollars are going, right? You want to know that you're donating your hard-earned dollars to a trustworthy nonprofit. One way to really double-check that is looking at their tax returns. Again, very easily Googleable. But again, so when you as the person are founding, you're starting, you're running this nonprofit, your salary is very set. There's no fun surprises. There's no fun profit sharing. There's nothing above that. Now, all good. <laughs> if that floats your boat, you are fine with that. You're loving that life. You want this set money. That's fantastic. Do that. Please do that. Please start that nonprofit. We need more nonprofits in the world and to keep changing the world. That's how it works. But for you as a person, if you want this to be like your full-time job and you also have a lot of money aspirations, maybe this isn't the right avenue for you. And there's like 12,000 other questions you can ask in the middle of that because it also is like, you know, what is your mission? What services, what products are you providing to people? What are you doing for the community? What's the goal that you have? Do you want to have this nonprofit for the rest of your life? Are you looking at this as job security? By the way, never do that with nonprofits. Total other episode. We'll get there because nonprofits should never equal job security. There's a lot of other questions to determine which one of those is right for you. But if we're talking about money and we're talking about your lifestyle goals, like if you're someone who wants to like become a millionaire one day, you probably shouldn't run a nonprofit. Okay. It's just not how that's going to work. Because again, it's a set thing. Just because you're earning more money for the nonprofit doesn't mean that you get to take an extra percentage just because you're doing your job really well. You get paid in warm fuzzies. Never underestimate the power of like warm fuzzy feelings. But that's just not legal, that's not ethical, that's not how nonprofits work. So figure out kind of your goals, your long-term goals as a person for your career, for your future, for your income. If all that sounds cool to you and you want to run a traditional nonprofit or just work for a traditional nonprofit, be my guest. We need you in this world. You can also even come work for Operation Not Alone, but also we do not offer compensation, so please come volunteer with us. That would be amazing. There's just a, a couple of things <laughs> to think about with nonprofits. You are serving a mission, and more money equals you get to do your mission even bigger, hit more people, do bigger and better things in the world. But your salary will usually be a pretty fixed amount based off of what has been predetermined and also like filed and agreed upon. But also, I feel like I just painted nonprofits in a really bad light, but also don't discount this. If you want to start a nonprofit and you're looking at your own personal lifestyle goals and your personal money goals, all that fun things, well, look at your lifestyle. Do you want to be 110% committed to this mission 24-7? This is all you want to eat, breathe, and live and think about? It should. Trust me. You should always want to think about this because you can't get sick of your nonprofit work because... Well, it has to motivate you enough that you're not really making as much money if you were like a Fortune 500 person. But here's the thing. If you want to make it a part-time thing, if you want this to be a passion project thing, maybe it's even a seasonal thing, however that works for you, you have a lot more freedom to do that too because it doesn't have a lot of pressures that regular traditional businesses do. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Operation Alone, for example, has been something that I have done 
to be honest, pretty much the equivalent of full time forever, but I've always been able to do it with other things. I get to kind of set those hours. I get to choose when we do certain things seasonally, like cheer packages, right? That is set every year, Veterans Day. I could have totally changed that. I could have been like, you know what? March sounds like the best time for me (laughs) to do that. We could have done that too. Uh, We do our never alone nursing home visits around Christmas because it made sense, but you also usually get a little bit more time off from other things around the holidays, like you were off from school on the holidays. It just made a lot of sense. So look at your lifestyle goals. Like I've always been able to balance school and my full-time other salary paying careers and, you know, undergrad, grad school, I've always been able to balance these things with Ona because I got to kind of set those expectations. I got to set a lot of that schedule because it didn't have a lot of the same pressures. So if for a little while in my life, Ona had to take a back seat. It, there definitely were seasons where Ona did. And fun fact, no one really cared. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure no one even really noticed the seasons when I didn't, I wasn't able to do as much as maybe I would have liked to because no one had as much vested interest as I did and our recipients did. So if we just didn't have as many recipients one year, well, those people got treated very well for a smaller pool. So if you don't want this to be eat, breathe, and live your life, if you want this to be even a little bit more part-time, more seasonal, you want to be able to chill about it, there are options with that with nonprofits. I'm not saying that that's by any means how most nonprofit people think, but that's definitely a, an option if you want to look at how you want to look at your lifestyle in the long term. So keep that in mind as well. We know that you're strong and empowered. We know that you want to make an incredible impact on this world. And thankfully, there's an online boutique for you to represent that message every day. The Ona Boutique has two lines of t-shirts and engraved gold bar necklaces to remind you that you're capable of incredible impact on this world. And the proceeds benefit Operation Not Alone, a Wisconsin-based nonprofit supporting our troops, veterans, and mental health initiatives all across the country. Head to theonaboutique.com to shop their collections and get free shipping with the code IMPACT. That's theonaboutique.com and use code IMPACT. Okay, now let's move into social enterprises, which I think is actually, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's kind of a newer term. It's a newer like business uh, setup that definitely wasn't around, you know, for like our parents. Um, I think it's kind of all the rage, but with the exception of, I don't think social enterprises are ever going to go away. I think more businesses will turn into social enterprises. I think businesses are becoming a lot more socially conscious. You see a lot of businesses that are tied to causes now. And some of it, I think is genuine. Some of it, I think really big businesses are like, kind of pressured into partnering up with someone to be like, no, 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 no. look, we're good people too. You know, we love the Make-A-Wish Foundation too. We'll give them some money. So sometimes I think it's like pressure (laughs) that businesses have. But in general, I don't think that businesses can ever go backwards and not have a social cause that they care about or something that they are participating in. Uh, I just don't see that ever going backwards like that. And I think that's a really big 
tribute to millennials and the the shoppers that we've become. And I hope that Gen Z only continues and strengthens that and whoever comes next after that. But I, I really attribute that to millennials because we were some of the first generations that were like, you know what, I will pay two extra dollars here and there for like this dish soap that is more environmentally conscious and helping out the planet and is more sustainably made, you know, and then this one, even though they're both dish soaps, they're doing the same thing, but this one has a heart. So I'm okay spending the two extra dollars where the heart is. Does that make sense? I think, I think that's just the shoppers we've become. I think that's pretty, all, again, it's, a, it's an all-the-rage thing, but it's not a trend I ever see going away. So a social enterprise is kind of cool because, again, so this is a, this is a real business business. This is a, a business that you, your grandpa could probably like get on board with and mostly talk to you about. You're going to file things the way any other business is being filed. The difference is this is just a business with a heart from the beginning. Like it's always been tied to a mission, to a cause, but it gets to still make profits and have shareholders and stakeholders and pay people bigger salaries based off of bigger profits. And no one necessarily looks at the, you know, the CEO, like if a CEO of a social enterprise was doing very successful and they paid themselves a million dollars a year, they'd be like, well, yeah, they're killing it in business. <laughs> that makes sense. They had great sales, whatever. But if a CEO of a nonprofit paid themselves a million dollars, it's like, you monster. <laughs> like, how could you? Because that's out of donated money. You know, that's money that you got in exchange for warm, fuzzy feelings where people are still getting a product or a service out of a social enterprise. Does that make sense? So basically... The way that I see it, and someone could totally send me like a weird email after this, <laughs> um, pulling this apart, but I've seen social enterprises thrive in two different arenas. Number one is a social enterprise is basically a for-profit business that you are starting that acts and smells and feels and tastes like a a traditional run-of-the-mill business, but all of your excess profits go into your nonprofit. So they're connected, but they're not the same. Like legally speaking, they're not the same. You still treat your nonprofit like a nonprofit, and then you treat your business like your business. You've got two sets of taxes. You've got two sets of people. You've got two, probably two different websites, the whole thing. Uh, here's my favorite example of this. Uh, Habitat for Humanity. We all know Habitat for Humanity, right? Building homes, doing great things in the community. But have you also heard of the Habitat Restore? You probably have one in your home community or at least like a neighboring one. I know like Oshkosh has a pretty involved one. There's a few in Madison. I even think uh, there's a, a smaller local organization in Door County that's been doing the same thing with the Sunshine House. I digress. But the Habitat Restore, now that is their social enterprise. That restore is a for-profit model within the social enterprise. So let me explain. You go to the Habitat Restore and you're going to get some uh, refurbished things 
Maybe you need a couch, maybe you need a new window, a door, whatever that is. When you buy that from the restore, so that is a part of their for-profit model, and all of the profits in that store pay things for both the store and the nonprofit. So that's where they get the money to pay people's salaries, where they're paying rent, where they're paying their electric bills, where they're paying insurance. All of the profits out of that are going to pay a lot of the overhead that the nonprofit usually has to eat and then file on their taxes and then people get to judge how much percentage you're spending on overhead or not. When you have a social enterprise feeding into your nonprofit, that gets to cover a lot of those bills so then more of the nonprofit you know, donor dollars get to stay as donated dollars for your mission and you get a lot of your overhead covered. Now, let's say that you had a really great year at that social enterprise. I'm just going to still use the Habitat Restore because I think it's a great example. So you you bought your door, you bought your refurbished window, whatever. Um, so let's say that they needed, to keep math simple for my own head, I'm going to keep using $100,000. Let's say that you they sold $100,000 you know, worth of stuff. That was their revenue. And that was basically what they needed to, again, pay rent, pay salaries, you know, pay, pay the whole kit and caboodle. But they ended up selling $125,000. That extra $25,000 that was excess profit from that business, again, instead of going into stakeholders' pockets, gets funneled into the nonprofit. So now that's a part of the revenue model for the nonprofit, while it also covered all of the bills for that social enterprise piece of the business. Very unique, very new, very cool way to kind of do it. So you have this for-profit thing that's making you a lot of active money, and it's a normal sale. You would go to the Habitat Restore the way you would go to any other store, but as a consumer, obviously it's a lot cheaper to get a refurbished door there than at, you know, Home Depot or whatever. It's a much cheaper option for you as a consumer. It helps out this cause. It's connected to this heart of this mission that you really like. It's paying salaries. It's keeping the light on, and everything extra gets to go back to the nonprofit. It's a very cool model, right? Now, the other way that social enterprises work that's kind of fun has also been a pretty new concept, and that is a very favorite of mine, and this is the one-for-one business, okay? This is the, I think, Tom Shoes, I'm pretty sure, was like the, you know, the inventor of this with Blake Blake Mykoski, who also obsessed with him, love him. Uh, If you haven't read his book, Start Something That Matters, don't walk, run, great story, where the idea was every time you bought a pair of shoes, one pair of shoes was donated to a child in need, right? That was the original model. Tom's Shoes has grown so much. I'm pretty sure it's not even technically called Tom's Shoes anymore because they sell so many other things. So they started to expand. Like this model was blowing up and like you were cool paying for a $50 pair of shoes, knowing it probably was not really worth $50 when you like wore the shoe, but you knew it was doing good. You knew that if you bought that $50 pair of shoes, it also was doing good in the world. A kid in Argentina was getting a pair of shoes too. Like it brought you the warm and fuzzies. That's why you were okay buying the pair of shoes at the higher cost 
even though you could have bought a knockoff pair at Walmart, which I'm pretty sure they tried that super failed experiment because it didn't have the heart. It was called Bob's. Um, they did not understand why people liked Tom's to begin with because they weren't comfy shoes for sure. I had many a pair throughout college. I still do, but they were comfy and they were great, but they also did good. It's why knockoffs don't work when they don't have the doing good component to them, even though they're cheaper because you're okay buying it when you know that you're doing good in the world as a consumer as well. So they also now do more things. It's like they also got eyewear, like sunglasses and stuff. And every time you bought a pair of eyewear, they had cataract surgery to someone else in the world. They incorporated handbags. And every time you bought a handbag, it gave a birthing kit to a woman in a third world country. They had a coffee shop. And every time you bought coffee, it provided clean water. Like they had, they expanded so much into so many different ways that you could do good and buy the things you're always going to buy, like a pair of sunglasses or coffee or a handbag, whatever, but always knew that it was doing good. It was one for one. If you bought one thing, someone else in the world was receiving said equivalent of that good thing. Very cool model. Now, a for-profit model, for sure, like those people got to make a lot of money. They were very successful, very hard work. You're hustling a business that at first has double the cost to starting it because, you know, you're still, you have to give away half of your inventory, right? You're donating half of your inventory somewhere else in the world. But I think it's a lot easier for those entrepreneurs to have those businesses, especially when the, the beginning is definitely going to be the roughest because you don't have as much, you know, liquidation to play with, but you know that you're doing good. You know that you're still attached to a mission, even though this is a for-profit model. And so, you know, obviously that keeps people hustling and working because you're still changing the world. You're still making an impact, right? Now, another one of my favorites of this is Jess Ekstrom, who is the founder of Headbands of Hope, who I talk about a little too obsessively, if we're going to be super honest. So she started Headbands of Hope out of her college dorm room as well. I think she was like a junior in college in North Carolina. And so this was um, one, for every one headband sold, one headband was given to a child with cancer who had lost their hair, wanted to feel pretty and beautiful and special and all those wonderful things. And $1 of your purchase was also donated to the St. Baldrick's Foundation of Cancer. Again, very successful model, did really well. It has since expanded. So now I think it's just like it's still called Headbands of Hope, but I think they have a lot more headwear now. Like they've got scrunchies, they've got pins, they've got uh, bandanas and beanies and baseball caps, like things for boys too. And it's a very, you know, it's a very different model. So it's a, it's a really fun way. I love one for one companies because like it, 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 again, it's a for-profit company. Like that person gets to be the successful entrepreneur that they've always wanted to be, but they're still tied to a mission. And also, you know, one of the things I was saying before, like if one of your goals is to do good in the world, but also <laughs> make money, have an income, which by the way, I feel like is such, that bugs me because it's such a taboo topic, I think for people to talk about, especially in a nonprofit sense where it's like, just because you've chosen this life of nonprofits means that you also have to like never be that financially well off yourself. And that sucks. Like that's just not how any of this is supposed to go. Like it's not supposed to be, you know, selfish monsters get to make 
you know, money and live these nice, comfortable lifestyles and people in nonprofits are always going to be eating ramen noodles. Like that's, that's, it's a very antiquated way of thinking about it. I don't like it. I really want to help shatter that for people and know that you can also absolutely live the life that you want to live and have the income goals that you want to have and also do amazing things, put great things out into the world. And I think that social enterprises are just a great way to do that because there's no cap on that, on, you know, like your income that you choose to give yourself. It's also not public knowledge the way it is for nonprofits. So no one else is also really judging you, for, you know, for what you're making and what you're doing. I think that it, this is also a great revolutionary time where people get to shatter a lot of those very, again, outdated and antiquated views on having like nonprofit jobs and what you're doing. Now, it's still a touchy subject because, again, what you pay yourself with a nonprofit salary also brings in a lot of questions of ethics for sure. That's a bigger discussion for a different day. I'm not saying that you, every nonprofit CEO should pay themselves a million dollar salary because quite frankly, maybe it's not worth that. I'm not the one to judge. I don't know your organization. But anyway, my point is all of these options exist. Nonprofits, social enterprises, one for one companies, they all exist so that you still have options on how you want to hit your lifestyle goals, your income goals, your family goals, and also your impact goals take all these things into consideration. You know, like what is actually the most important to you for the entirety of your life? And don't judge yourself if part of that is making adequate money for yourself. And also even that definition of how much money you need is completely up to you. I have no idea. I don't know your life. I can't say that. <laughs> you know, like I know things about my life and, and certain goals that I have, but that's going to be completely different from person to person, from family to family. And I just think it's time that we really break down a lot of those barriers of the fact that nonprofit people will always be good hearted and poor and people who make a lot of money are like heartless monsters. It's just not the world that we live in anymore. It's not black and white. I don't think it ever was, but it's easy to portray that in movies. So that's my two cents on that. A downside to having a mission-driven business, but still acting as a for-profit, obviously you can't get donations, you can't get grant funding. Uh, you know, there's a lot of benefits of funding options for nonprofits that obviously for-profits don't get to have. Again, grant funding is a big thing of it. Tax breaks are going to be a big part of it. Like you're still doing a lot of the work of nonprofits, but because you're making a for-profit model, you don't get the tax benefits. And again, like the grants and the government funding and whatever you're applying for, for a nonprofit the same way. So there are pros and cons to weigh out for each of them. I'm also going to preface this. If you've made it this far, I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. I'm not telling you which one to do. I'm just saying from my experience, from what I've seen, from what I've read, from, you know, just what has like unfolded in front of me and all of these people that I follow very closely, like these are just... I think some really great options that if you want to make a great impact in this world and you want to do it in a very formal way there, I think that there are options that aren't just nonprofits anymore. If you want to make a nonprofit, I am on that board with you. I am on that ship. I love my nonprofit life. It's a beautiful, amazing journey that you should experience, but so are also social enterprises. So are one for one companies. So is still having a for-profit company. That's probably a you know, it's a very different kind of work than a nonprofit, but you still get to do good in the world. 
all great things, all things that the world needs, all things that I think our world is begging for. The response from this podcast just in the last two weeks has literally like made me cry a little bit. It's made my jaw drop, like the amount of people and even like pure strangers that have reached out to me telling me about the nonprofits that they want to start, the things that they're doing, some specific questions that they have with it. I love it. I am so in love with listening to what everyone else is doing and, and the way that you guys are all going to be changing the world. Like it, it truly leaves me speechless. I'm so happy with all of it. And so I just think like, you know, this new world that we get to create is a better one. Like 2020 is such a cluster of a year for so many reasons. And I think that we are being faced with injustices and just, just the realities of the gross world that we're living in. And the fact that people are like, cool, if someone else isn't going to change this, I'm going to, I have that voice. I have that power. I have that ability. If this girl can do it out of a dorm room and like the trunk of her car, not knowing anything, I can do it too. And I think that that's amazing because everyone can, and it looks scary and it looks terrifying and the paperwork is intense, but you can do it. And there's a place for everyone that you still get to live the life that you want to live and choose all of the beautiful things that you want to do with your life and still make a difference for the people that are like revving up your heart. I think it's amazing. I think it's wonderful. And please keep messaging me, keep tagging me, keep all of it because it just, it, it literally brings me to my knees, like how grateful I am to see all of you loving this just two weeks in. So thank you so much for your response for this. Thank you for your support of this. I say it in the outro. I'm going to say it right now. Please, if you are loving this, can you rate, review, subscribe? It's so easy, but that's like payment for podcast people <laughs> when you rate, review, subscribe, and obviously rate very well. Please and thank you. Uh, this is like our payment for doing this work for you for free. Just please do it. It sounds annoying. Every podcast says it, I know, but please pause. Whatever you pause this, grab your phone do the rate, review, subscribe, hit five stars, do all the fun things. Um, and then also, but like tag me, let me know the things that you're starting. And if you have any other, you know, quick questions, but like a certain detail, hit me up. I will always respond. I'm not always the fastest at responding, but I'll, I'll respond to you for sure. So anyway, that was <laughs> the longest rant, but make nonprofits, make social enterprises, volunteer, donate money, support causes, sign petitions, do your thing, make that impact on the world. However it looks, I just want people to know there are other options that we get to do it in this world. That's really been new in the last 10 to 15 years that have never existed before. So it's not just nonprofits. That's why this whole podcast is for nonprofit people and social entrepreneurs, because both exist. And I think both are lovely and amazing and have uh, different qualities that you now kind of get to weigh the pros and cons of each, whether you want to make a nonprofit, you want to make a social enterprise. So again, one has more of a fixed income. One has a profit-based income. One can get tax benefits and, you know, different funding and have donations and one you're running the risk. It could be a very successful profit. It could maybe flop in a different way. You get to choose your lifestyle goals, your hours with both of them. You get to choose what you get to choose. And I think that that's a beautiful way that we get to live in the world. 
So I hope this episode was helpful. I hope it kind of showed you a little bit of the weight between a nonprofit, a social enterprise, and hopefully you feel a little revved up to learn more about which one is the right one for you to start today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else can catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.